Well, hello, everybody. You're listening to the Woodworkers Podcast. I'm Ben Brunick, and I've got <laughs> Phil Morley and Ramon Valdez with me here again today. How are you guys doing? Doing good, Ben. Doing good, man. Right on. Say, so we've got a, we've got, well, before we get into that, let's, um, <laughs> um, Ramon, Ramon, uh, I suppose we should let people know how your dad's doing. Um, Ramon was not yes. here last episode. Your dad was not doing well. Go ahead, Ramon. Yeah, about five weeks ago, my dad had a mild heart heart attack. He he's ninety one and he runs an eighty acre farm still. And I think he was dehydrated anyway. He had a mild heart attack. He took him to the hospital. Everything is. I mean, he's doing so much better now. Um, back on the farm. Wow, that's <laughs> he, incredible. Yeah, he was up on the swather the next day. Wow. Right. Uh, your dad's what? Your, your tough, dad's ninety one. Ramon, ninety one. Yeah. Jeez. So. Uh, I've been spending some time with him doing that. So I missed the last podcast. And then we actually went to see my wife's dad in Missouri. So we were there for a little over a week. So, yeah, I've been uh, a little bit of a hiatus yeah, okay. from yeah. Instagram for a while. Right. So, But everything's good. Good. Getting awesome. back on track. Awesome. So, yeah. That's, that's, so I appreciate that's it. That's awesome. Yep, thank awesome. you. Awesome to hear. And, yeah, our thoughts are going, you know, thoughts and prayers are going out to you. And your family, Ramon. So, yeah, I appreciate that. I got a lot of DMs, uh, people asking about him, and so <clears throat> thanks for mentioning him. And yeah, he's 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 good and and grouchy. <laughs> good and grouchy. That's <laughs> awesome. awesome. Still grouchy. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> Say it's a it's a it's a special guest episode. Um, this this episode we've got Frank Straza, uh, Straza Furniture. Um, out of the hill country uh, in Texas, down near uh, San Antonio. Frank, man, th- thanks for being on. We really appreciate. Oh, it. hey guys, uh, thanks for having Frank. me. Thanks for having me on, and glad to hear your dad's doing better, Ramon. Uh, that's amazing that he's uh, that's still going uh, and running an 80, 80 acre ranch. That's that's phenomenal. <laughs> right. Right. Wow, right. man, uh, it, yeah. it's great to have you on, Frank, and I appreciate that. You know, my dad's dad lived to be a hundred, so wow, got some longevity in the genes. Wow, there, so. man, no kidding. <laughs> yeah. My dad's funny. My, my dad was sixty-six. <laughs> I'm screwed. <laughs> so, <laughs> good, 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 good to have you on, Frank. Um, yeah, well, thanks. Yeah, thank Absolutely. you guys. And if it, it it might sound like we've done this before, like we like we know a couple <laughs> of answers from Frank. That's that's because we have done it before, and the audio was crap. Uh, so we're gonna try to do it again. <laughs> and, and by crap, we mean like usually it's crap. It was extra crap. Crap I mean, <laughs> here. We we couldn't use it. We we couldn't use it, and we didn't want to because it just went. We all thought uh, it was justice. fine, but but Frank was like, "Uh, can we do that over?" <laughs> Frank, I just, Frank I was just, being a prima donna. That's, it's normal, Frank. <laughs> I just wanted a rehearsal. That's what it was. That's what it was. <laughs> sure. that's, that's your uh, that's your music background coming in, <laughs> right? Oh but yeah, yeah, it's awesome to have you aboard, Frank. We uh, we've been talking about having you on for quite a while, and we just love your diverse background. And um, this is uh, this absolutely. is a treat for sure. Yeah, speak, well, speak, speaking of background, Frank, why don't you why don't you talk a little bit about your background? Um, sure. Like like uh, you know yeah, how, kind of, yeah, how did you get into it? How you got out? And, go ahead. <laughs> well, uh, let's see. How did I get into it? Well. <laughs> You know, my first recollection of uh, my first recollection of getting into woodworking was uh, I was seven years old, and my mom had bought me an egg beater drill at uh, at so an awesome. antique store. Uh, and I still remember I still remember the antique store as a great antique store, and still to this day I love shopping for old junk tools. And what was uh, what was ironic about this is this egg beater drill was frozen up; it wouldn't work. And uh, I, I don't remember if I got it working, but that was my first recollection of, of uh, having an interest in woodworking and tools and such. And then um, later... The original cordless, yeah. Exactly, yeah, right? It's <laughs> awesome. This was, uh, this was back in whenever it was, I guess, the early 80s, I guess. So um, now I'm giving away my age. But, yeah, uh, right. <laughs> so, but, uh, so then I had some, uh, as, the, as the years went on, around 10 or 11 or so, um, I had some great opportunities. Uh, there was uh, some men in the uh, in the church that I was going to at the time, and they had offered uh, some classes to some young boys. And uh, I, of course, was the first one to jump on board. I just had an interest in it, and I think um, I, I cut my first dovetails with the 
with the help of some of those men uh, when I was 11 years old, uh, hand-cut dovetails. <laughs> yeah, awesome. And then, uh, and oh, then at cool. 12, um, I built a, built a blanket chest uh, with, with hand-cut dovetails. And I, re- I remember um, <laughs> my, my, my parents still have that chest, actually. But I remember, uh, so in other words, it's still ha- holding together after all these years. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> That's so, awesome. But, um, but yeah, I, I remember even at 12, I, I kind of knew at that point what I wanted to do, you know, as, as, a, as a living. I was super passionate about, about the craft. Every day after school, I would just want to go out in the shop and, and cut cut dovetails and so work did, with wood so did you have a shop at your home like your family's or what was yeah just about? just a garage i just worked in the garage on but was know, it was it was it like your mom or dad's or yes yeah at my at my parents and um and i would just go out to the i don't remember much about the bench i imagine it was probably just a piece of plywood set over some four by fours um, right. with right. your maybe with, with your inlaid name on it <laughs> yeah right. no inlaid name. <laughs> bench craft size <laughs> yeah so but and uh, houndstooth uh, dovetail right, right. so you can yeah. call those 12 year old dovetails they'll, all, right. they'll always be 12, right. 12 year old dovetails right. like, those are those 12 year old no i was 12 when i did that yeah <laughs> <laughs> but uh no i've had some great wonderful teachers um over the years and then um when i was 17 um i actually went into an apprenticeship and worked with uh a gentleman uh side by side with him uh, we were actually working out of a shop in austin building uh early texas style furniture and this was back in the early 90s and we were uh, we were cutting wood out of these old uh, beams and this was before reclaimed was a thing but we were getting these beautiful longleaf pine beams uh in and they were just gorgeous uh material i mean these were coming out of warehouses um that were you know being torn down and most of these warehouses were built gosh they were built probably 1900 or so but then you'd count the growth rings in these in these timbers and they were dating back hundreds of years um just beautiful wow. wood and we got this this big old saw we actually had to cut like a hole in the concrete so that the the wheel would fit down in there and we were resawing <laughs> these beams and i still yeah. remember just the the amazing book matched panels that we were able to get from these beams of course we had to denail them and stuff so that's how what i really cut my teeth on is you know during the apprenticeship for the first year working with i was working with a gentleman by the name of mark swenison and uh for the first year i just worked alongside him and you know i didn't know anything about furniture making i mean i was super passionate about it i read you know all roy underhill's books when i was in my early teens and i still remember like in my early teens like uh, looking at Roy Underhill's books and thinking, well, when I have a shop, I definitely know I'm not going to have electricity in there, but am I going to have a, <laughs> should I have a phone? Uh, that was like my biggest hang up, you know, like in my teens, like should, should my shop have a phone? Here, should I should have a phone? <laughs> that was awesome. But uh, so uh, of course now my, client, now my yeah. shop does have electricity and uh, of course it has and wifi no, and no phone, and, and right? no phone, but it does have wifi. And so you're, no <laughs> but so no, yeah, so working through the apprenticeship, I worked, um, worked alongside, mark on his pieces so um and mark was an amazing uh man amazing craftsman um he just he was quiet but very very steady um and just taught me really i mean just being able to work with him uh, was just an amazing experience he was really a mentor in a lot of ways and then you know he would explain himself very clearly um and then the very next day he would explain the same thing again to make sure that it was reiterated and it was right. and so for the first year or so i worked you know on his piece on the pieces alongside with him you know on the same pieces that he was working on and then after that i worked alongside him you know still under apprenticeship but i would start working on my own pieces but under his guidance um, so oh, that's cool. So you're teaching lessons. Uh, you're, uh, you know, learning to teach came early um, because you you do a lot of teaching and you're you're a great teacher. Well, thanks, Ron. I, I suppose. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe I learned. I guess you know. I guess I I could I could definitely uh, link that back to to Mark's um, 
teaching style to me because again he was very articulate and then really drove those points home but then I also Mm -hmm. um after I worked with Mark and unfortunately uh after about I think I was with Mark for four or five years he actually passed away which was I mean it was really devastating to me because he was really like a -hmm. a mentor and a, a father figure to me and it was just it was amazing but um to have him but I actually did, after that, I did a journeymanship with uh, Paul Sellers, and um, I think I really learned, really, and, and the great thing about a journeyman, you know, and I, I think those terms really aren't used very much uh, in today's world, you know, you talk about apprenticeship, but what was a journeyman? What did a journeyman do? And uh, a journeyman would have, so an apprentice would have learned, you know, those, those, those skills, but then a journeyman would have journeyed. Uh, to another location to work with a different craftsman to learn maybe different ways of working. And that's really what Hmm. working with Paul really did for me is it opened up a whole new world of, of hand tool woodworking because Paul, you know, he was obviously trained as, as an apprentice in England and such. And he, he worked so much with hand tools. So did you go to England to do this? No, I didn't actually, Paul was living in Texas at the time. So Okay. Um, I worked and, and how did you how did you connect with with Paul? Yeah. So it actually it was he was demonstrating at a uh, event and um, I got to meet him through there and and it just kind of worked out. That's yeah. awesome. And yeah, that's very cool. And then I mean, learning so much, learning how to teach because Paul at that time was was starting a school up and and working with a school and so I learned how to teach from Paul, you know, side by side with him. So, yeah. So then uh, just working through building, you know, basically that's all I've pretty much done is just build furniture day in and day out and through over the, over the years. And then I did, I did teach for about eight years at a school up just right outside of Waco, Texas um, called the Heritage School of Woodworking. And uh, Mm -hmm. I was there for a number of years and taught full time. People would come from all over the globe and and uh, that was a great experience because, um, and that's a hand tool primarily. Uh, yeah, yes, primarily right? hand yeah. tools. I mean, we had machines there, but it was primarily hand tool focused, and basically awesome. starting out with just you know, I mean, people would come in that wouldn't even know what a chisel was, and then some people were right, well versed right. in in woodworking. So, I mean, there were such a broad range of of people coming in uh, through there, but we would take them from not having any woodworking ability to, you know, at the end working through the courses, you know, they'd leave with a rocking chair or a blanket chest or a, That's you cool. know, just you name it. So how, how long was it? How long, like for a blanket chest typically, how long? So, you know, the, yeah, the classes were, um, were varied. Obviously we had one day classes right. and they still do. They still do the classes up there. I haven't taught for, past four years or so just logistical stuff but um right right. but uh yeah the classes would vary from uh a day to three days to six days and the typical the typical furniture class was six days although we did have some two-week classes uh up there as well so yeah did you 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 know it seems like um there's a lot of classes like that and I think Paul Sellers probably did a very similar program as me. Um, I could be wrong, but uh, being British, and if he went to college for it, City of Guilds, but it it just doesn't seem like that exists anymore. Where it's like a three year program. Exactly. It's yeah. Not a, it's not a week. It's not two. It's three solid years, five days a week, yeah. and you come away. And when you said do your journeymanship, that's when you leave. And then you go work as an actual joiner or whatever your trade was and learn mm-hmm. more skills on job site, making money. Um, it, it just, I know there's a lot of programs, a lot of schools, and there's a lot of great things out there, but it's kind of a shame there's not more in-depth programs like that anymore. Yeah, exactly. Because that's um, really... And I could be wrong. I just, you know, I, I could be ignorant to that. Maybe there are, but it doesn't seem like... I it. think some of there's some schools out there that are doing the longer term, and I think that's really yeah. the... the uh, but, the, but the like, key. that is yeah. the key to really learning the craft and soaking it up and just being able to... Real, I mean, that's the best way to learn is just doing it day in and day out. And then obviously being right, able right. to do that with, you know, a master right near your side and even watching, you know, I learned so much yeah. just from, 
just from watching and and you know there's so many things that are learned through that so absolutely it's just tough it's tough to be able to afford it exactly that's that's well and and i think the problem is is we're getting a little off subject here but um I didn't pay. I didn't pay. Yeah, it was, it, I didn't pay for three years. It was a government funded sure. deal. Wow, you know? and that's yeah. and that's what I mean. It's it's tough to figure out a way to pay for it. Some somebody's got to pay for it in one way or another. Yeah, Either it's tax. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially in America, you don't want to raise taxes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's it's difficult. I mean, the funding is yeah. the funding, and then and then at the end, uh, how much money can you make? Um, you have to right. be, there's that balance, you know, we, we all know it because we do it. We do this stuff for a living. I mean, there, right. you have to balance. Well, and I just think though, like if I didn't have that, I don't know what, I'll probably end up in prison, you know, like it, it, it kept me <laughs> off the streets, you know, and it's like, there's, I make a living doing it. Yeah. So it's just, it's tough because now we're told you can't make a living doing this craft mm-hmm. and we're clearly seeing we're missing the crafts in America, but but Frank Strauss is bringing it back. <laughs> so did you, uh, Frank, did you start getting so many commissions that you were not able to teach at the Heritage School anymore? Or what happened with that? Yeah, so I was there um, both, uh, as I said, primarily teaching, um, but also uh, building pieces at the same t- at the s- simultaneously. Um, but you know, just actually, just some family issues and such that kind of Uh-oh, made that got uh, in the way. Yeah, got in the way of being able to teach full time. Although I've had a lot of people ask me to to come back to teaching because they always they enjoyed uh, my teaching. Because you're a great oh, teacher. Well, yeah. Thanks, but uh, Austin School of Furniture. <laughs> yeah, I've had, and Plug. they've even been waiting too because I'm like you know just working at, trying to work out logistics. It's a lot of work, as you know, Phil. Uh, you you we, teach. We understand. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot yeah, of work. Yeah. But no, we, we, we but it. although um, I enjoy teaching and I enjoy uh, demonstrating to to groups, I, I used to go around and demonstrate at some of the woodworking shows yeah, and I, the, Lee, the I, Lee Nielsen I, shows. I can I can we witnessed I can, that. I can yeah. vouch for that. I've. I've Frank, I've seen you at yep. at, at the um, at, at Handworks and and at and at the Austin or the Texas the Texas te- Texas, Texas Woodworking Festival. Festival and and you always draw a crowd. Oh, it's Phil crazy! Was, Phil was teasing it's, about the hat. The hat, man! The hat comes out, puts the hat on, and it's like whoa! That's my Roy Underhill hat. That's his Roy Underhill. It hat. is. It's. I'm not even kidding, man. That hat went on, and he was just going to town. It's like wait. I was like, man, the amount of work he did in that, and and we've already spoke about this a little bit, so it's you've already heard me say this, but uh, it, it just is super impressive. I mean, you're doing like double bevel marquetry inlays, <laughs> molding like mitered frames and stuff, yeah. and just hand planed. It's just crazy. It's like holy cow. I, I really it's enjoy just, that. I, I mean, it's, it's it, it shows. Well, yeah, I, thanks, but it's 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 really enjoyable to be able to you know, just share your craft with, with right. people. And a lot of people, you know, they don't, they, they don't, they've never seen a hand plane work or maybe they have, but they haven't seen how it really can work. Or maybe they haven't right, seen right. Uh, a molding plane. And, you know, it's just a look oh, yeah. on people's faces when you take this wooden, you know, antiquated uh, tool out of your toolbox and you run it along the board and these beautiful shavings come flying out of it. And then you show them, this intricate molding that it produced it's like wow you know they're just they're just amazed and that's that's pretty exciting to be able to pass that share that on so oh yeah (laughs) yeah yeah, it is it is cool it's 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 fun to watch you know i i i know the the times that i've that we've gotten a chance to to see each other uh or that i've gotten the chance to see you do the demonstrations it's just it's it's a blast to get a chance to watch and you can just see the the interaction with folks and 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 it's one thing to see videos um or things on instagram or what have you it's another thing to see it right in front of you and mm-hmm. and if yeah. you've got a question then it gets answered and you know you do such a nice job right. nice job with folks you know and then and then of course you're using you're using like like what do you what wood do you bring poplar pine yeah pine. i try to use yeah the, use, uh, use the secret woods sure, right? the you're woods using, yeah. <laughs> you're using the wizard the wizard material the wizard wood. 
No, but <laughs> I, secret word. I, and the secret solution. No, yeah, we won't talk about that, Phil. <laughs> oh, okay, sorry, sorry, sorry. That's a secret. Sorry. I can't, a can't, secret. Let, can't let that out. Maybe I will for maybe I'll let that let that secret out for only a, a special uh, price, but uh, we'll see. We'll see. Special <laughs> price. Instead, I'll tell you my secret solution. No, I don't know if I want to know your secret solution, Phil. <laughs> no, but uh, no, I try to use those opportunities, the demonstration as as an opportunity to teach people, because a lot of times people that come to these events, you know, they come to a, a Lee Nielsen event or a woodworking show or something, you know, they're just getting into woodworking or they're, you know, maybe have been into it. But I like to try to use that as an opportunity, not only to show what these amazing tools can do, but also to teach. Because a lot of people, you know, they might have seen seen some work or see some video of what i've been doing but they're like well how do you actually sharpen that blade right. or how do you how does that double bevel marquetry actually work or you know whatever yeah, yeah, it is yeah. so you try to use it yeah. as an opportunity not only to just uh, show what you're doing but also to teach as well and and ramon you had mentioned earlier about um, me teaching and i would mentioned i think being uh my time at the school uh was also a wonderful time to be able to create some speculative pieces which I was able to do and uh, enter into some different shows and such, but that was uh, because while I was teaching, I was also trying to push my craft and learn new things such as inlay and, and marquetry and such. And then also built like a jewelry cabinet. And well, that was a commission piece, but like another piece, uh, a walnut desk, which, uh, and a, my roses table. I don't know if you've seen pictures of that, but um, yes. that was a... it. Won it won first prize, <laughs> 2000, 2012? Uh, yeah, I, it, I don't remember what year it was. Yeah, but it was fun because it, uh, uh, it won a best of show and people's choice, which uh, yeah, yeah, that's pretty cool. That, that rarely ever happens. Yeah, that's yeah, pretty cool. That, right? that was yeah, exciting, that's, but um, that's super cool. And that was the Texas Furniture Te Texas show. Furniture Maker Te Show. Yeah, exactly. Te Texas Furniture Maker Show. I've, that's really cool. I've entered that show for oh gosh, probably since two thousand and five, I think remember the um that's amazing yeah so uh and and, and have won many many awards which is super <laughs> super cool yeah the first time i entered I, I had no i didn't know what to expect but um entered two pieces uh mesquite chest with like bookmatch burls all the way down and uh you know it was my first time to enter any show i was young i guess at the time or younger um 2005 that was a few years ago i guess but uh so yeah, right. you know i didn't i remember uh i was i was still working with paul and he was encouraging me and stuff so i entered entered that and a, a windsor chair and uh i won uh best of show and second place so that was yeah that was that was that definitely is so a, cool uh definitely a, a good experience so that's really cool right on so, yeah. um, Frank, we were going to have you on earlier. Oh, like maybe a month or two ago, we were going to have you on. And then you were going to be doing this thing with going and getting the wood in well, a secret location. Another secret. Oh, um, there's a lot that, of secrets. That, that, that had to do with. <clears throat> okay, I'm back. Oh, yeah, we lost. <laughs> we, we didn't. We didn't even recognize you again. I don't know what happened. No, I, there. I was about to text you, but yeah. we were going to be real smooth was, and say nothing. I was, I was trying to. I, I was trying to ask this question, but Ramon was gone. I'm like, where where, where Ramon go? I'm trying to ask. I know. I was, wait, I was like, we'll just be. We'll act like nothing happened. It's all good. Ramon, Ramon comes back. I'm back. Yeah. That's great. I just assumed that you missed me. <laughs> okay. We're very professional there, Frank. All right. Very professional. So secret wood. So, secret wood. So secret wh solution. while you were gone, while you were gone, Ramon, I was muddling my way through trying to get to the question about the Frank, you do luthier work. Along with I, along with the along with the furniture work and, and the workbenches. Um, and teaching, um, but you you do luthier work, and um, so the building of violins, and you play the cello. Cello, um, do yeah, yeah. Um, but you were you were going to be going at the time when we were going to have you on before, um, and we decided to wait because we wanted to kind of hear about this. 
you were going to be going to a, a secret location. Uh, in, <laughs> I don't know how much you want to talk about or don't talk, talk about it, but to get to get material for violin uh, violins, right? Yes. You wanna, yeah, you wanna, exactly. Kind of, you want to kind of talk about that instead of having me fumble my way through a little bit longer? <laughs> no, yeah, sure. So <laughs> uh, Too late. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so a backstory, as you mentioned, uh, I'm super passionate about about music uh maybe not necessarily good at it but i do try to i try to uh, <laughs> practice a lot which um but i got interested in uh luthery or violin making same thing um oh probably 25 years ago or so when i started the cello and i didn't have the money to afford uh, a good cello and mine needed repair so i was like well i'm just gonna repair this one and then um, when you were 12, you repaired it? No, not 12. This is, uh, this is like... <laughs> ten, ten. <laughs> later teens. So. <laughs> later later <laughs> teens. So. But, and I still remember the garage where I was working on that cello. And uh, that may have been a little bit of an upgrade of a bench, but not much. <laughs> so, <laughs> so um, but yeah, so I, I, I started getting interested in, in instrument making and... Um, built a guitar when I was 17 or 18 or so, and then um, got more interested in violin making, obviously. And I've had the opportunity to meet different luthiers and try to pick up different things. And, um, and actually, one of my students, when I was teaching there at the school, he was a, an older gentleman. Um, I think he was a, a professor at the university there, and he's in his 70s, retired, obviously. And had traveled the world and such, and he had um, had built uh, several. He had taken several classes building furniture, but he'd also played violin. And he came to me and said, "Hey," he said, "Frank," he said, "I would like to build a violin." And I was like, "Well, I'll happy to help, you know, help you do that and uh, teach you uh, teach you how to build a violin." And um, he, uh, we started literally from scratch, you know, get, getting the material and. Uh, and build built a violin and that was the he said that was the most rewarding experience that he had um you know among the top experiences that he had in his life was actually building this instrument from scratch and then being able to play it at the mm. end and uh, that's that, pretty cool it was really a neat experience to be able to uh participate in that with him and help him build that instrument but um so through the years i haven't done as much instrument making um as as i've as i've wanted to but uh but recently um i had the opportunity to go to a secret location uh, actually <laughs> to the mountains <laughs> to the mountains of colorado i'll i'll go that far <laughs> and uh, nice. we we went up to colorado with several luthiers from around the country and these are bona fide luthiers i mean these guys are professionals i mean that's what they do for a living um and i mean i i i do it part-time but um so i went up with these guys and we were going up to the mountains to actually cut down spruce uh for the tops of the instruments and uh, we were looking specifically for engelman spruce and uh this was a great experience because i've always been intrigued with the whole idea of starting uh from from a log from the actual log and producing a final piece of furniture because mm -hmm. years ago i got into windsor chair making and you know the best the best windsor chairs you start literally with a log and you split the wood and you know you split the wood because when you're splitting it the grain uh the split runs perfectly straight with the grain lines which make it a stronger piece of wood as opposed mm -hmm. to it being sawn so i've always been intrigued right. with this this connection of you know the tree the forest and then all bringing that all the way through the process of bringing that all the way through to the completed piece of uh of furniture and this just takes it really to the next level because really yeah, instrument no instrument making for me or violin making really combines my love of music and my love of woodworking but then to be able to go into the forest and we could only cut um trees that were dead so we weren't cutting any living trees but we could but we had to select and there was this gentleman that went with us that he he's actually cut and sold wood 
um, uh, and he was showing us exactly what to look for. And, and a lot of times it was some of the same things that you're looking for when you're, when you're building a piece of furniture, you know, you don't want twist in the wood, but how do you read that in a tree, you know, you know, and then you don't really know what's in that tree until maybe you cut it down. And, um, so, but you can read the bark, you know, so you look at the bark and it has to grow. There's certain elevations that, you know, are specific that are going to yield better wood, you know, because if it's too low of an elevation, maybe the wood's going to grow too fast. If it's too high, it's, it's going to grow slow, but there's, you know, so you, there's like, there's really almost like a magic, a point of elevation, um, you know, where the best trees come from. And then they kind of, there's kind of like, even like a microclimate where you get this really amazing tree just in this, in this climate. So, um, and then obviously can't have too many branches. So we were, we, right, right. um, cool. we were reading the bark, you know, to see, um, if there were twists in the, in the trees and then, and then cut, we cut a, a few of them down and it was just, it was great. You know, these trees are man, huge, so man. Cool. How, how big so of a cool. tree oh, is that? I mean, a cello is, is pretty good yeah, size, Yeah, these right? things were, these things were huge. I mean, I don't, I think, um, <clears throat> I think he said that the minimum size, I'm trying to remember. I think, I think the tree that one of the big trees I'm thinking of right now, it was probably like at least 36 di- inches in diameter. It may have been oh, wow. bigger. No it may have been bigger. Crazy. And they, it was probably what, a hundred feet, 90 feet tall. I mean, it was just huge. And wow, of course you cut it down, but then the great thing, cause these are the tops of the instruments and the top of the, of a violin, is where the most the most stress is so there's i don't know like on a violin i i don't know exactly i think there's about 160 pounds of pressure that are on the top of the instrument with the with the strings and and such it's pushing one, one, down 162 162 is that what it is yeah yeah, yeah that's what <laughs> are you are you fact checking me <laughs> no i'm not i'm just I'm just being an idiot. He's, Sorry. he's being Phil. Being... That's great. Sorry. <laughs> that is pretty amazing. I mean, that is amazing, though. So what um, we did is we uh, we went we uh, we actually so you cut the tree down, then you cut it into billets. But then what you do is you split it, just in the same way as I was talking about with the with the chair making, because when you split it, that grain line is running perfectly with that split so that is the maximum strength that you can get out of that material and uh and and how how thick how thick is the is the piece before you start shaping it so it's actually you know so yeah i mean so obviously it's gonna be different for a violin um or a cello and it's rare to find perfectly good cello wood i mean we actually found some just because it's big because it's bigger exactly because it's bigger right. and it's just it's harder to find it um it's harder right. to find it so just because you know there's so many variables you know you know you're looking at the twist in the wood you're looking at you know are there bug holes obviously like i said we can only cut standing dead so are there bug holes um you know are there what are the growth rings like and uh, so the size is we were cutting um quarters uh so that's what you're looking for when you're or that's what we're cutting so you can just imagine like the end grain of it of a of a log and we want to cut a pie shape out of it so um Mm -hmm. you know i don't remember what the exact dimensions are but when it's when you when you split it obviously you want to make sure it's way oversized so you have time to be able to plane it down and get everything squared up and flat um but then on a violin when you're carving this down you're carving this when it's done when a violin is done the thinnest point on a violin top is about maybe two and a half millimeters so that's super thin i mean and and (laughs) and spruce spruce (laughs) that's crazy isn't it yeah and spruce has the greatest strength to weight ratio so and it's an amazing tone wood because of that not only is it strong but it also reverberates and it's that's what you know strad and all the great violin makers used was was spruce uh so i wonder how they figured that out i mean you know two and a half mil that's that's, you know to figure out the the spruce as being one of the better uh sound words or whatever yeah tonal quality exactly yeah you know you 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 hear about sitka spruce um guitars 
you know, and then um, this other species of Sitka. Eng- it's call it's that? actually Engelman spruce. So yeah, and Engelman. Yeah, the Sitka is a little. I believe it's a little stiffer, and uh, they mm-hmm. use it for guitars, you know, cellos, basses. For violins, the Engelman is nice. It's a it's a little lighter, I think, than the than the um, than the Sitka. Uh, so it has different yeah. properties. But yeah, I mean, it's really amazing to think about. Um, I think I recently heard that the violin is the only. Um, I probably will get this wrong, but um, or fumble through it. But the violin is the only um, scientific invention that hasn't that has remained unchanged in That's in the uh, in the past wow. three hundred years or something. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I think there was a bunch of scientists that recently. That's kind of, that's pretty cool way to think of it. I, I mean, it really is. That's crazy. Yeah. It has not, not much has changed, uh, with that invention. Exactly. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah now, and what, what really made this amazing trip was that I was with you, not that your son, <laughs> yeah. your son was with so you. So these guys were gracious enough to, uh, let me be able to take my, my nine-year-old son who's learning the violin and uh so cool um so i uh i think it it was really it was a great experience for him just to be able to to go up there and to see you know how where do we start with the wood and i'll probably try to build him a violin uh from from the wood that he actually split so yeah wow yeah so i'm I'm pretty pumped about that so of course my my son wants me to build him a bass oh wow because i got one son plays the bass and the other two the son and daughter play the cello yeah i was like "Uh, that's awesome you have to No, you okay, I, I'm a, I'm a drummer. I wonder what kind of wood I could use. Oh, that's plywood, isn't it? <laughs> that's, <laughs> solid plywood. Yeah. That would be pretty. That would be pretty special, man. That's so. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, that's very. Of course, cool. it has to dry for about two or three years, um, air dry, because you don't want to. Uh, you don't want to okay. kiln dry it because if you kiln dry it, you know that can force dry it. I mean, of course, there's right. different theories. You know, what's interesting about all of this is so right, many different right. theories, but. Um, but yeah, the best wood has been aged, you know, for, well, and he's got time. He's, he's nine. Right? You want to yeah, build, exactly. build him like a full size <laughs> violin. Exactly. Like, Cause right now he's playing it's, like a it's half forever. size. Yeah. Yeah. It's forever violin. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's awesome. Now yeah. does he, a little off subject, but I was just wondering, um, does he, uh, take lessons at Texas state at all? Uh, no, no, he's that's just, probably too, that's probably too far away from you guys. <laughs> yeah. He's just, yeah, he yeah, takes yeah. from a private, uh, private instructor. So that's really cool. They, they, they have a program at Texas state that's just been unbelievable. Um, where it makes it affordable, you know, to send your four kids to, but, oh, wow. Uh, very, very impressive yeah. uh, program. That's they have. the, uh, so. my violin that I, um, recently, um, well, I recently sold a violin that I, that I made. It was actually performed by um this young lady who was part of the she was actually the concertmaster of the hill country youth orchestra which is a local uh, oh, youth cool. orchestra <laughs> here and she recently performed a violin concerto with my violin and that was such an amazing oh, experience to be able to you know <laughs> hear her play that with the whole orchestra um you know so you were in the audience while she yes, was playing that? yeah it was kind of and like this that's awesome and you made it yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I made that I, I will say it was like watching one of your kids up on stage because it was like i was i was super nervous like i hope the pegs don't slip i hope you know i hope that this doesn't happen i hope, I hope his arms don't <laughs> that's so cool yeah that's really cool what what an honor i mean how how did that come about? She just kind of asked you. You know, it, 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 that's a that's a good question. Um, actually, I had did a I had done a, a presentation um, last year, I think, for the Hill Country Youth Orchestra on violin making, and I oh, did. Cool. I brought oh, my cool. I brought my similar rig, kind of like, and I demonstrated all the kids about you know how do you build a violin, and I did like an hour presentation where you bending the wood i bent the wood i did inlay God, i carved so and cool. then at the end i let them you know i let them play it. and this this young lady tried my violin and she was just intrigued with how well it sounded but also um the mm. fact that somebody locally had made it and then her teacher yeah. her teacher actually let her um play it she was working on this violin concerto and um she said that she was able to do things with that 
with my violin that she was not able to do with her other violin that she had bought, you know, at a, a music shop, a local music shop. And she was able That's to actually cool. perform better with, with my violin. So she actually wow. ended that, up, dang, yeah, that's... it was, it was, that was pretty encouraging. And uh-huh. uh, she ended up buying it and taking it to college. So this she is, bought yeah. it. Oh, what? Yeah, so. Dude, what an awesome story. I can't imagine something more rewarding. Yeah. Then, you know, like we built furniture. Yeah. It's, it's functional and, but you know, it's a, it's a chair. You know, you build a. I'm building these lounge chairs. People are going to plop their asses on it. Um, you know, it's not the same. It's like, I mean, you want it to, you want it to be handed down, but to, to have something that's a piece of yeah, art that performs a, the way it's meant to perform. You know. Yeah. Yeah, that's a prized possession. Oh yeah, that's so cool. That's very cool. Exactly, yeah, that's it's pretty, it's pretty neat to be able to to produce something and that somebody else will you know be able to cherish and make music on. Yeah, and you have you have furniture in the White House. Right? Yeah, as part of <laughs> as part of the permanent collection there. Um, so the uh, con- Congressional Library or whatever. It's, uh, it's actually in the cabinet room. Um, oh, so cool. you know where they have their meetings. This was this was kind of a joint project in the shop that I worked at um, several years ago. There were several of us that all worked together, um, and. Uh, it was for the outgoing administration several years ago as a gift to the White House for the permanent collection, and they were mesquite, two mesquite cabinets, and uh, they sent us the uh, they sent us the uh, the cardboard pattern of the curved wall of the cabinet room, and we had to we, cool. <laughs> we had to match the the curvature of that wall and hope that they they fit. And uh, we uh, we delivered them, and uh, sure enough, they fit well. But they were they were mesquite. And uh, they were all book matched, um, so I had this. I had this stash of beautiful, just the most amazing mesquite, um, and it was all burled mesquite. And we were able. We built the cabinets actually out of solid mesquite, but then overlaid it with a mesquite veneer, so that there were two cabinets, and so like the tops are book matched, not only side mm-hmm. to side, but end matched too. Right, so right, it's almost right. like a four piece yeah. match, if you will. Yeah, yeah, and awesome. then the doors are all book matched, all the you know, so they all match in color. And then they they sent us some wood that was from the uh, White House North Lawn. There's a a tree, one of the trees, the branch fell off or something, and they sent us one of the branches, <laughs> and we sliced that up um, and used it. We only had a little bit, obviously, but we were able to use that for an inlay banding around the top and the door. So we sandwiched that with some ebony and made this little banding around. And that was, uh, as that's super yeah, cool. that's pretty, pretty interesting. So this was this, was it the second Bush? Uh, it was, w, yes, George yeah. W. George yeah. W. Yes, yeah, yeah. So it was yeah. the Texas, Texas. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. he wanted something he wanted because every president that leaves, uh, leaves the white house, they actually give something, to the White House to be part of the permanent collection, and okay. oh, and he yeah. wanted to you know obviously give something sure that but also had some Texas uh, uh, yeah yeah absolutely yeah it's part of part value of, to part, it part of yeah, his exactly. part of the legacy that absolutely it, that's history so cool. yeah, absolutely. yeah absolutely I I would have been nervous that their template was correct. <laughs> <laughs> we were Man, we were yeah, exactly yeah. yeah you hold on you hold on to that template you're like no no you said right. you had to fit this <laughs> right. pull your jigsaw jig with you exactly yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly uh, that's, that's awesome cool, that's very yeah cool, I, I actually looked online I, I looked uh, during the Obama presidency and I was looking for pictures you know just like doing google searches looking for pictures of uh, in the background in the background and i found i found one of course they had darkened quite a bit you know how mesquite darkens right, naturally right. so they had darkened but they were still there so that's pretty uh, freaking yeah. cool but that's really cool yeah that was uh it's a lot of fun <laughs> and 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 nowadays um it seems like you got kind of a a new focus uh, working making benches right yeah <laughs> it's one of those things i uh, i you know you little, you know how it, niche you know how it is <laughs> phil you know you kind of just do what what you need to do to pay the bills and uh yeah, or all, yeah. all of all of you guys know that but uh yeah and uh i don't i mean i was trained as a furniture maker and i started building um you know building these these kind of furniture 
grade um, benches Workbench, and uh, workbenches. Yeah. And I had a, a friend of mine, he was like, you need to put that on your website and you need to put like heirloom quality. And I was like, oh, come on, really? You know, <laughs> so <laughs> it's ended, always a friend. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <That's> awesome. <laughs> so I ended up doing that. And, uh, you know, I've been just busy building, you know, benches, which is great. I enjoy, you know, yeah. doing doing it to oh, a yeah. to the next level and I'll, you know, do, inlay right. their name into it or do these you know, crazy dovetails that, you know, are over the top, but yeah. you know, whatever. And all bench, bench crafts, uh, bench crafted. Right? Yeah, yeah. I use bench crafted hardware, which they're, they're an amazing, amazing company. And they just, they just produce some of the best, the best hardware. Um, so, you know, I hope, I hope cool. that uh, I can probably, obviously I, I enjoy furniture making and I really enjoy um, marquetry, um, in the uh, mm. in the artistic way, similar to what I did with the roses table, where um, right, you know right. where if you see if you look like on my website or Instagram or something, I have pictures of that roses table. But the top of that um, was all all those flowers are all uh, double bevel marquetry, no paint dye or stain whatsoever, just all natural wood natural. that are all cut yeah. and. Uh, that's really what I what I want to try Man. to do more of. I'm working on a piece now that's um, that's uh, a, a horse, a guy on a horse, and uh, a cowboy. Yeah, yeah, cowboy. Yeah, and yeah, uh, yeah. I'm hoping to kind of go more That's with old. that it's a little bit lighter uh easier on the back than than, than oh, the man. <laughs> no kidding now I've, I've got a question you because you just mentioned um so you don't use dyed veneers right you know it i don't um and i know historically you know dyed veneers veneers were used um uh quite a bit but i don't know i i like the the as the natural i like just using the yeah. natural woods i mean there's so many variations in in different oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. species well, and, and i guess that's my my question is kind of a, a double loaded one because i'm just really intrigued with you know you're using the natural woods is there a lot of thought you have to put in with like okay this is how this looks now but once mm -hmm. it oxidizes what's it going to look like it, it, or is that not really a big deal you know there is yes absolutely because some obviously some woods are going to turn darker than others but i think for the most part it's kind of too it kind of dramatic, changes right? together like for example that right, right. that roses table when i built that I used pink ivory. I used pink ivory and uh, box elder, and okay. um, the box elder was a beautiful pink. When I took the pictures initially, they were just beautiful pink. But then what happens is when it's exposed to ultraviolet rays, that that pink kind of fades. So now they look more like antique roses, and uh, okay. yeah, mm -hmm. so it's a little a little less of a pink. But and you'll find that but even with the dyed veneers, they will do the same. They'll do exactly the same. Like there's some amazing furniture that was you know marquetry furniture the runkin furniture which is just phenomenal uh to look up the runkin r-o-e-n-t-g-e-n -E -E i think is i probably didn't spell that right but um uh <laughs> but he did some amazing marquetry furniture and all that was dyed veneer and it's obviously faded uh um, right, 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 right. not maybe not all of it was dyed but some of it was dyed and they use that to highlight and such but i don't know that's, yeah that's so, pretty cool yeah in in uh, twenty let's see twenty twelve, my wife and I were in Italy, and so we visited a lot of these duomos, a lot of these churches that had, you know, a lot of marquetry. Oh, yes. Of course, the Italians claimed that they were the first to do marquetry, and the French <laughs> claimed that they were the originators. <laughs> right. And it was and it was the Eng it, and it was the English. <laughs> <that's>, <laughs> and it it was amazing to me how old some of that. Marketing, and yet the the depictions of the scenes were very clear. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, I was, uh, it, it was just incredible. If uh, if any of your listeners have a chance to go to the Metropolitan Museum of Art, there is a uh, mm. there's a piece there called the Studio Gubbiola, and it was it came mm. from Italy. They brought it over from Italy, and it was it was made in the 1500s, and it's a depiction of it's a room um of these cabinets and there's things in the cabinets and it was like the use of trompe l'oeil where you have 
the uh, illusion of the cabinet doors being open and things being on the shelves, right, right. but it was all totally flat. And it is the mm -hmm. most, like you said, uh, Ramon, it's, it's phenomenal the, the, when yeah. you look at that, because like, if you look at pictures of it, it looks, you know, it totally looks like, it, it looks, looks real. real. It looks like there's shelves <laughs> yeah. and there's things on the shelves, but it literally was all done in wood in uh with with yeah, stuff crazy like yeah. that is tough for what it doesn't need to do a lot of that kind yes, of stuff yes yeah yes. yeah it's fascinating that the, the trump lay is uh you know it was a a painting technique what's fascinating is that these guys were doing this with marquetry back when they didn't they didn't have the, the means to to create veneers like exactly. we do and the tools yeah. to cut it but yet they were doing this incredible art yeah. um that's pretty cool and these illusions is just yeah it's fascinating stuff yeah absolutely. now now the cowboy you're working on um what what does this go to what is it what's the end so result? uh you know marquetry has um well furniture has always or has traditionally been a canvas for marquetry some people right. will do marquetry to like you know do a, a picture and hang it on the wall but hang it on the wall yeah right, but right. traditionally furniture has been a canvas and that's kind yeah. of what I like to see, and you mentioned Silas Kopp, that's, he's really one of my, my heroes, if you will, and mentors. I studied with him a little bit, and um, just some of his work is phenomenal. But, and that's what he's done a lot, where he's, he's created furniture, and then the marquetry is a canvas. So what I, I've designed this, this cabinet, it'll be kind of like just a display cabinet, and then the, okay. and it'll be out of a Texas wood. So, you know, the kind of Texas cowboy theme. And this was actually, um, I'm recreating somebody else's art. So I, I contacted the artist. It was actually a, a famous watercolor artist. And uh, I found this piece and I was like, you know, this would work great in wood. And so he, um, he, he gave me permission to be able to recreate it. So uh, oh, that's cool. yeah, I'm going to try to just <clears throat> put this on the face of uh, a, basically of a display cabinet. Of a display uh, cabinet. Yeah, exactly. Now, so. now did you, I, I might be, wrong hair i did you do a cabinet like kind of like a cabinet on stand with silas with a marquetry of silas cuff was that you or was that so you might be totally yeah wrong no hair. you're probably seeing a picture of when i was i went and visited him uh okay <laughs> yeah. that's what it that was, was his okay, work. okay. <laughs> so, but you but you worked with him you i you did were, i took i took a class with him i actually it was funny is before um before i built the uh, when I built the roses table, I had no formal instruction. I had just um, had just done a lot of research, and and I have to attribute to to a lot of uh, you know the roses table. I learned so much in that, and I think I um, was starting to get into um, string inlay and stuff. And uh, Steve right. Lotta mm -hmm. is was great, a great contributor on that. Just his DVDs and instruction is just amazing on that. But then I just did a lot of research on this double bevel thing and and i like the double bevel method because it's different there's so many different methods in marquetry you can you know there's piece by piece there's bool there's so many different methods but the double bevel enables you to be able to really artistically select each individual piece of wood the grain orientation the um the curvature of the grain if you're trying to create maybe right. a flower or a an element that has curve and then there's different tones and stuff but um and 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 also the seamless connection oh exactly right, yeah right, right. is and is because of the bevel so yeah. the bevel the double bevel the way it works is you're cutting two pieces simultaneously at an angle and what the angle basically does um i know you know this sermon but um the, uh, but for the for the listener who doesn't might not know, <laughs> for the listener who doesn't know um so you're always cutting two pieces simultaneously and the angle um so obviously if you're cutting with a saw blade you're going to have a gap but if you cut at an angle and you cut two pieces simultaneously you are um you're taking up that gap and then one piece is waste and the other piece uh, and they both fit together. So yeah, if you fit, if, if you cut at the mm -hmm. correct angle, 
Eggs. This is correct. And the correct direction. And the correct yeah. direction, exactly. Yeah, if you cut in the wrong direction, you'll have Double your error. Double the error. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so essentially, you have it's a mathematical relationship between the thickness of the veneer, the angle, and the, the width of the blade or the curve of the blade. So there's a lot of different angles depending on the thickness of the veneer. It's, it really is a fat. That's uh, a pretty cool, yeah. It just, it just drops uh, down inside, right? It's just a, it's like a big wedge. Exactly. Yeah, it's like a big, yeah. big wedge type. And the so so cool. I was gonna ask you. I know you do uh, a lot of with a fret saw. Do you do? Do you use utilize a scroll saw? You know, it was in for double. Yeah, double. it was interesting because when I did those uh, those roses on the rose table. I um, for the main part of the roses up at the top, I used only the fret saw, so I, I became mm -hmm. very comfortable with the fret saw, um, and that was you know it was funny I was I was it was an interesting backstory behind that I I remember you know first getting into it and like boy can I really do this with the fret saw, and um, I there was this this fellow from the middle east i think he was from iran or something and i think over there they actually have like a a specific you can go to college to learn inlay and marquetry or something but he i found out this guy was living like up in dallas and i went and visited him and uh, he had all these like intarsia kind of marquetry pictures amazing work that this guy had done i wasn't I, I didn't like the subject matter too much but it was really amazing work so we started talking and he cut everything with the fret saw and um Mm -hmm. So, you know, I was like, well, how do you really control it? How do you really do it? And so he said, well, come up to come upstairs. So his, his shop, his shop was in a, a spare bedroom of the upstairs of his two story house. And uh, when I walked into the room, the whole floor was covered with a mound of these little <laughs> off cuts. <laughs> and he had this little bird's mouth thing sitting at the table with a uh, and he was like, here, I'll show you. So he sits down and he cuts out a piece. And I was like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, I can, I can do that. So I sat down, and he's like, show me. So I, I sat down, and I cut out a piece. And he saw that I could do it. So it was, it was the funniest thing, because then he sat down again, and he just blew me out of the water. Because he cut, <laughs> he cut this perfect curve, totally by eye. He cut this perfect curve, came back around with no like with a perfect intersection at the corner, came back around, did another curve that followed it. I mean, it was, it was mastery at its finest. And, I, and it was that one cut that inspired me to say, you know, if he can do it, I can do this. And that's yeah. awesome. And so I went back, <laughs> really cool. I went back and um, I did. And also I have to, I have, I have to um, attribute uh, the rose, the roses there to to my mom's encouragement because i remember the mm -hmm. first the first rose that i did i was all proud of it and i sent i sent her a picture and and her response was frank you can do better than that that's some tough love right, right. there and, and, she, and she was right she was right and she and just that one comment pushed me to go to the next level but I still haven't That's answered. Awesome. I still haven't answered your question, uh, Ramon. So I use I use I'm really comfortable with the the fret saw. But then after I did that yeah. rose table, I took a class with with Silas, and um, mm -hmm. and he encouraged me to use the the scroll saw more. And so and I found that using the scroll saw, you know, especially when you're doing more like, you know, when you're piecing together the picture, it's actually quite fast. Um, it's just that yeah. I, I find that the, the fret saw is great if you're trying to like insert a piece you can really do fine work that I feel like I don't have as much control with the scroll saw so. correct especially with a really tiny little exactly. piece uh, a pupil on an eye uh, or a, a highlight on Absolutely. an eyeball or something like that is, yeah, exactly. completely agree that's pretty cool that yeah. is cool that's awesome. Yeah, I love that. I just I just <laughs> upload it to my Shaper Origin and cut it out. <laughs> what, what's mm. that? Phil? Phil. It's, it's I a handheld. I don't handheld CNC. 
Oh, it's I'm, yeah, it's a router. I'm kind of I'm teasing. You can't uh, do it. <laughs> I don't have a phone in my shop, Phil. I don't know what that. I, I'm, All right, I'm way right. behind the times. Oh, you're you're gonna see. I'll be posting about it soon. <laughs> Man, that, yeah, that's pretty cool. I have a a class I got um, sent to me by a very gracious uh, friend of mine on marketry that I. That I that I need to open up and start Jeez. actually. <laughs> you haven't even opened that up yet. I haven't. I, I've just been crazy busy, but I'm going to. I'm going to. I just know it's another like rabbit hole to it go totally down. So it totally like, is. Yeah. Oh yeah, man, you hit the nail right. Certainly. Once you get started, I want to learn it, but I'm like, oh my god. Well, well, who is this uh, friend that you're talking about? Oh, you you don't you don't know. <laughs> It's you, buddy. <laughs> oh, if you want to, yeah, if wanna... you want a startup kit, go to RamonValdez.com. What is your website? I don't know your website. Ramon Valdez Fine Furniture. I do have the the. It's called the Marketry uh, Marketry Class One Hundred and One. It was funny when I sent that to Phil. He said, "This is cool, but uh, I probably won't be employing your your marketry skills." Oh yeah. Anymore. Yeah. I was like, I, I told him, I said, I don't think this is good business plan, dude. Like, I'm not gonna hire you anymore. That's funny. Or, or you, Frank? Sorry. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. Phil, you've had you've had both Frank and Ramon do work for you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, come on. It's like you don't. Yeah, these guys are masters at it and have been doing it for a very, very long time. So, uh, Frank and Frank and Phil have a cool story about their. Uh, drug yeah that was a, a bit shady a hand was a oh, the dr- shady. oh yeah that was i'm pretty sure i saw that on the news or something yeah that frank frank was uh i can't remember what that was but it was some marketry i needed done and frank was doing it and i think i, I had like a deadline which i usually don't have yeah. deadlines but this deadline was for a oh it was a show it, 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 you know this was going to another client and he was taking it to a show and so I was kind of like, crap, I've got to get this done. Frank agreed to do it, but then we got some really bad weather coming through. Mm. Yeah, and, uh, very, it was rare. Yeah, it, it was, was nuts. like the, the roads yeah. are going to be frozen <laughs> over. I mean, it was in Texas, was we don't get this kind of weather. It was yeah, that no. kind of like the roads were going to be impassable. And kinda, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was insane. So Frank... What time did we meet in the Oh, it was of like two in the morning or something. It <laughs> yeah, was like it was, it was some crazy hour. But it was like we were watching the weather forecast and I, I was like, Okay, I think I can get this done, Phil, and I think I can get this to you before the roads freeze over. And uh, literally we handed it off in the middle of the night and uh, I I barely made it back before the roads were frozen over. Yeah, they were already icing <laughs> yeah, over, man. Exactly. It was well, and that was that was your call because you know I was, when you live here, you're kind of like, oh, come on, what's it going to be? It can't be that bad. <laughs> yeah. But a thing that like people say, you know, Texans don't know how to drive in the snow. No, we don't get snow. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. And anywhere that does get snow, they have big trucks that come down and salt the roads and stuff. Yeah. But, so when it hits Texas, we're like everything shut down. It's ridiculous. Sure. It's it's and it's it, more and, it's more cost productive for the state to just shut down than it is to oh yeah buy we don't snow get equipment for once yeah. every couple of years. <laughs> right, right. It was ridiculous. Yeah. It was crazy, and I'm glad you mentioned it because it I, I, we wouldn't have made it. Yeah. Like, it just wouldn't have happened. But it was a. Uh, we met at some sketchy location. <laughs> it's super dark underneath the one lamp that was working. I've never met Frank before. He's like, right, exactly. hey, you yeah. feel? <laughs> I'm like, are you Frank? Do you have the package? Do you have the money? I knew Frank. I, knew Frank. <laughs> I was like, I PayPal'd you it. That's great. And it was it was beautiful, beautiful work, man. You yeah. Do, yeah, that's awesome. You do. I don't know how you do it. You do so many different skill sets. It's kind of crazy to me. Oh, it's, yeah. It's, it's I have pretty cool. A lot of interest. Maybe you know, spread a little too thin sometimes, but wow. and, and you got to start it. You got to start at seven years old. I know, right? <laughs> Evidently. <laughs> Yeah. Pretty, pretty cool. Yeah, right on. Oh, well, th- thanks, Frank, for being on, man. Yeah. 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 And, and and thanks for putting up with us 
and our uh, and our and our <laughs> lack of our lack of podcasting <laughs> skills. We yeah. Oh no, it's our been, multiple. It's poor, poor Frank. You know, we did the recording before, and we've been back and forth yeah. on the phone, and we couldn't get connected. And yeah, Frank's been very patient with us. Yes, he has. <laughs> yeah, we well, it's greatly <laughs> appreciated. It's been a lot of fun, guys. I appreciate you having me on. So. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So, Frank, um, if people want to order a bench from you or a piece of furniture, um, how can they find you? Yes, yeah. Or a... So uh, just go to strazafurniture.com. That's S-T-R-A-Z-Z-A, furniture. That's Italian, so that's I guess that's why my interest in marketry, maybe. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so, and uh, violins. Or, yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, uh, or uh, Straza Furniture on Instagram as well. That's kind of where I post a lot of kind of pictures and stuff, and you can message right. me, and there's, um, you can message me either on Instagram or, you know, through my website. Uh, even They, they so. can slide into your DMs. There you go. That's it. That's it. Slide, slide into in. my DMs. So, uh, yeah. awesome! Well, very cool, man. Um, yeah. Hey, uh, Ramon, are you awake? Yep, I'm here, man. <laughs> yeah, Frank, we uh, we really appreciate you being patient and taking the time to chat with us. That uh, that was awesome to to hear your backstory and and love your passion and uh, your you know being able to combine your your passions together in woodworking and music is really really interesting fascinating really yes so, yeah we appreciate it and thank you all once again for tuning into this episode of woodworkers podcast we always appreciate it of course if you have any questions about this show or other shows or even past shows or suggestions for topics for future shows you can shoot us an email and that's info at woodworkerspodcast.com or you can just leave a, a question or a comment on our Instagram account, and that's Woodworkers Podcast. And so, on behalf of Ben Brunick, Phil Morley, and the insanely talented Frank Straza, I'm Ramon, and we'll catch you right here on the next episode of Woodworkers Podcast. Thanks a ton, guys. Thank you. Thanks, Frank. Thank you. Thank you all. Thanks, Frank. Thank we really appreciate it. Yeah, I like that. Thanks, I, I like that, y'all. I'm gonna work on that. It's a Texas thing. <laughs> Arrivederci. What did he call my mom? I was just putting a little Italian in there <laughs> for Frank. <laughs> so Strazza is uh, Italian. <laughs> <laughs> Is that is that enough of a pause? <laughs> <laughs> like, Ben's like, come on already. <laughs> you don't need no stinking pause. <laughs> he just includes us in the end. Ben, Ben, incl- you got to be careful. Ben includes stuff that you didn't even know. Was right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs>